the next time you push post or send, ask yourself this question, am I fostering maturity, doctrinal stability, gospel fidelity, discernible living, loving vocabulary, Christ-like growth, church-wide equipping, and spiritual building? Ask yourself that question. And if the answer is no, it would be more profitable for you to completely delete your account than to go viral in the court of human opinion. That is not what we need to be about. We are believers and we need to act like it. Shout out to Covenant Eyes for sponsoring this season of the podcast. Covenant Eyes has helped more than 1.5 million people find freedom from porn. Check out the link in the description to sign up and use the code ROSE at checkout to get 30 days free. Also want to give a big shout out to the supporters of this show. I would not be able to keep creating Bible-based productivity content without the help of people like you. So thank you. And if you're getting value out of this show, my newsletter, videos, or other productivity resources, consider becoming a supporter of Redeeming Productivity. You can do so through giving a one-time or recurring donation at redeemingproductivity.com donation, or by joining the Redeeming Productivity Patreon at patreon.com slash redeemingprod. Thanks for listening, and thanks for your support. Now, let's get into the show. Welcome to the Redeeming Productivity Show. This is the podcast that helps Christians get more done and get it done like Christians. And I'm your host, Reagan Rose. Well, today I'm delighted to be joined by my friend, Dustin Bench. He is the author of The Loveliest Place, The Beauty and Glory of the Church, He's also a biblical spirituality and historical theology professor at Southern Baptist Theological Seminary, where he also serves as the vice president of communications. Dustin, welcome to the show. So good to have you. Reagan, thank you so much. It's good to be with you. You know, your name came up. I was looking back. I had Nate Pickowicz on this show in 2019, I think December mm-hmm. of 2019. And we talked in our conversation about social media and like how Christians use it. And he said, you should really be talking to Dustin Bench. (laughs) (laughs) So this has been a long time coming to talk with you about some of these things. (laughs) No, that's great. Nate and I talk about these things often. So it's good to be with you and talk about these things. Yeah. Yeah. You know, when I reached out to you, there was a lot of things we could talk about your book, obviously, which is wonderful. If you guys haven't picked it up on the beauty of the church, but you keyed in and you said, you know, it'd be good to talk about social media. And that's something I'm passionate about as well. And you have grown a rather large following on social media. So was it a conscious decision to dedicate some time each week to going on social media? Or were you just into Twitter and you thought, I'm just going to start posting stuff? How did that come about? Yeah, that's an interesting question. It was about four years ago that I kind of made the conscious decision to begin implementing, if you will, a social media strategy, particularly for Twitter. I think Twitter is a different game than something like Facebook or even Instagram. We could have separate podcasts on each platform, but uh, Twitter particularly. I had about 800 or so followers. I did not post consistently. It was like one of those things I'm at the dentist, you know, getting my teeth fixed or something like that. You know, (laughs) I had no strategy whatsoever. I didn't retweet much or really engage a ton with others, 
But I came to this decision that I wanted to start posting truth. Hmm. Now, that seems quite broad and vague, but I could just drill down into that a moment. I wanted to post what I was preaching and teaching, what I was reading, what I was discussing with others. I wanted to post truth. Hmm. That is doctrine, insights into scripture, theology, historical theology. One of my favorite historical authors is David McCullough, which is probably no stranger to you and your own reading. He said that he approached the very first book he wrote by telling himself that he wanted to write a book that he would like to read. And I've applied that same kind of sentiment to my social media. I want to post the content that I personally would like to read. Hmm. And so if anything, my social media is for me. It's not for anybody else. It's for me. I wanted to have a Twitter account like I would like to follow. It was never my goal to grow the audience. I, I didn't do what some do to grow their audience. I just wanted to post truth. And so that was my goal from the very beginning. And then by God's very kind providence, he saw fit to, to expand that audience. That's awesome. Yeah. And it seems that you've been very deliberate. Has your strategy changed over the years? I mean, obviously you haven't departed from posting truth, but the way that you think about it, has that evolved and changed frequency, things like that? Yeah, I don't think it has. The audience would be the primary ones to tell me if it has, but that doesn't mean that I don't have to constantly remind myself of the strategy. It's very easy to get off one's goal or to get off one's trajectory that has been set. And so it's almost just to be honest, especially how things have really changed on social media because our world is changing, right. how constantly I have to remind myself of that very first goal. I mean, th there's pitfalls, right? The pitfalls that that I most kind of commonly see on social media from believers really come from two verses that I've seemed to pick out and kind of use. P people have life verses. Well, I want to have some social media verses. I need to be immersed into scripture and what scripture says in regard to exactly what my trajectory is. And I want to share a couple of those verses, if that would be okay. Ephesians chapter four, verse 29, let no corrupting talk come out of your mouths but only such as is good for building up as it fits the occasion that it may give grace to those who hear. And so first, the goal is not to have what Paul calls good language, and they certainly don't post to build up. People do, do not. We see that commonly. And then the end of the verse says that it may give grace to those who hear. Mm -hmm. Now, that seems to be the furthest thing from people's minds regarding what they post. And it just seems to keep getting worse and worse. But that's a verse that's really helped me think through my own social media strategy. Then the second verse is from Proverbs 18:21 Death and life are in the power of the tongue mm. and those who love it will eat its fruit. Somehow we don't believe this verse seems to apply to us as believers when it comes to social media. And listen Reagan, my calling is to shepherd people. Sometimes that means pointing out sin, sometimes that means edifying with the truth, sometimes that means admonishing for good works. 
And though I want to encourage people, I have to constantly remind myself that I'm not their pastor. And therefore, I'm not spiritually responsible for what they believe or how they articulate that belief. Interesting. Social media could be a tremendous place where we encourage and edify one another while also learning from one another, but it's become a place where believers gather to measure the depth and width of our own self-righteous holiness. And we put on display why we're right and everyone else is wrong. And for many, it's become a soapbox of opinions and attacks. But Paul says, put it out, put it away, put that corrupting talk behind you and do what builds up the body of Christ. And so those are two specific verses that, that I have to constantly remind myself of. That's really helpful. You know, we live in kind of an influencer culture, like you, you see talk of it all the time, someone trying to become an influencer on Instagram or TikTok, or even courses on how to grow your audience on Twitter. And as you said, you weren't deliberately trying to grow a following, but did you struggle at all with feeling like you were being self-promoting or anything like that as you use social media? Just for some context, I've talked to other Christians about this. Because, you know, I'm very deliberate in my social media following because it relates to the ministry I'm doing. But Mm. that's something I hear from other Christians is they struggle with feeling like, am I showing off? Am I just by being Mm. deliberate about this? Is is there something wrong with that? I was just wondering if you struggle with that or if you had any wisdom for people who might be wanting to be edifying, want to proclaim the truth on social media, but not sure if, if there's a conflict of interest there. Yeah, that, that's a great question. I've struggled with the term influencer because I don't really I don't really know what that means. I've never applied that to myself, but I have struggled with this, particularly when we begin to write things and we promote our materials that we've written. And so with every book I write, for me, there's a sweet spot of advertising. And when you cross that line, it becomes self-promotive and self-aggrandizing. Yeah. Now, I certainly don't want to step across that line, but again, I have no intention of growing the platform, nor did I ever imagine it would grow at the rate that it has. We just have to keep reminding ourselves of our goal and keep that in our minds and hearts. Mm -hmm. And so we met one another, saw one another a few months ago at Shepherd's Conference. And as, as I'm walking around that campus and people are stopping me saying, oh, thank you for your post. I'm a Twitter follower, you know, and you just go a few steps and then there's somebody else. And I'm like, why is this even happening? I didn't know anybody even knew who I was. And so that kind of comes with the territory. And so we have to constantly remind ourselves that we can't let it go to our heads. And so we have to keep that goal in mind that Christ would increase and we would decrease. That's the purpose of our Christian lives. And that therefore has to be an extension of our social media platforms. It doesn't take long scrolling through a timeline to discover what is important to someone. Is it increasing Christ or is it increasing themselves? And if anyone scrolls through my timeline and they think Dustin is all about promoting himself, then I have failed. And that is going to spill over into how I live the Christian life and how we talk and engage with one another, not only on social media, but it's a reflection of my own heart. And so I have to constantly keep that in check. 
That's well said. Yeah. I mean, it's Jesus who said out of the overflow of the heart, the mouth speaks. Absolutely. And and I've often thought that with thinking through these questions about self-promotion, how you use social media is it's like with anything, if you keep your eye on your heart and it will come across the right way, people will understand Mm. you, you will self-regulate. You don't have to be real super tactical about thinking about how will this be perceived? If your heart's there, you're walking with the Lord. Yes. Well, social media, Reagan, must be the extension of ourselves. I know certain people have made social media their job or their calling, you know. Um, he, he gave some to be pastors and evangelists and, and tweeters, I guess, you know, I don't really find that verse and I want to use social media absolutely for God's glory, but it has to be an extension of who I am as a believer. Hmm. It can't be something extra. I don't go into a different type of personality. I want to be the same person with you in private as I am in public on social media. Yeah. You're not constructing some false right. image of who you right. are and trying to right. curate that. Yeah. Yes. Now we talked about some of the pitfalls that we see with Christians. What do you think are some of the opportunities for Christians to utilize social media? Well, we live in a very different era than our grandparents lived than even our parents lived. Social media has made the world a much, much smaller place and has really joined, if you will, the global church in a way that it has never been joined before. And I just believe that this provides a very unique opportunity of partnership and cooperation in the gospel. Social media has allowed me to encourage, provide resources for others in ministry around the world not because I've visited them, not because I've ever met them, but because we're connected on social media. It helps us to get prayer requests out. It helps us to provide resources. It helps us to equip the saints on the far reaches of the other side of the world. And for all of the ills of social media currently, and people just decry, oh, it's just such garbage and all this. Well, I really, Reagan, have to thank God for it in so many aspects because I've met some of my very dearest friends through Twitter. My dear friend, Nate Pickowitz, who we were talking about earlier, and I met through Twitter during a very difficult time for me in ministry that the Lord knew that I needed a friend and an encourager like Nate. I was candidating at a church in New England, which it didn't go well, and I ended up having to pull out of that candidacy. But it was through Twitter that I knew Nate was in New England. I knew he was pastoring a church. And so I reached out to him, and we started a friendship that continues to this day. There's not a day that goes by that we don't talk to one another. And so, yes, believers can use social media for those ends, to create relationships, to provide resources to the global church, to speak a word of encouragement, to bring comfort to broken hearts, and so on. There are tremendous ministries that share articles and edifying and encouraging things that will help us to grow in our Christian walk and my advice would be to weed through all of the junk and follow those accounts that will help you grow in the faith. Now for a word from this season's sponsor. One of the most unproductive things you can do is allow sin to have a foothold in your life. And in our digital age, it's easier than ever to give in to that temptation. Covenant Eyes offers two apps that give you one simple path to victory. First, the Covenant Eyes sensor app operates in the background of your devices monitoring them for concerning activity and blocking explicit content. 
Second, the Victory app provides your ally with the most up-to-date information about your online activity. If explicit activity is detected, an alert will pop up encouraging them to contact you. The Victory app is also full of resources and courses to help you grow in your battle against lust. And Covenant Eyes gives you the tools you need to make the right decision when you're tempted online. Covenant Eyes has helped more than 1.5 million people find freedom from porn, and maybe it can help you too. Just go to CovenantEyes.com and use the code ROSE, that's R-O-S-E, at checkout to try it free for 30 days. Now, we've talked a little bit about your thinking in terms of how you use social media to proclaim truth. You're trying to edify people. You're trying to build up. And I think we both probably, I'm guessing here, would appreciate that we have brothers and sisters in Christ who are sort of in our theological camp who utilize social media well as a tool for calling out error in the church. And I mean, I'm myself a little bit of just testimony. I was part of the the emerging church and it was because of social media, finding out about Phil Johnson and the pyromaniacs mm-hmm. that I was able to find resources to understand what it was I was in, put a name to it and figure out what the issues were. So I was, I'm very thankful for those sorts of things. But sometimes in our circles, there does seem, seem to be almost a, a propensity towards always being negative on social media that can even border on, looks like cynicism on some mm-hmm. timelines. Mm-hmm. And the algorithms do seem to reward kind of outrage inducing content that's well known. And yet you have stayed consistently edifying in your approach while still being bold and outspoken when the moment calls for it. Do you have advice for that? How do you flee the temptation of joining the outrage mob? How do you know when it's wise to step into an issue and be bold about it? Well, I'd be lying if I didn't say that was a temptation, particularly during times like last week when Roe v. Wade fell and everyone gets on social media to post things. I don't always succeed at that, just to be honest. I strive to religiously use my drafts folder to place those outrage tweets. And nine times out of 10, once in the drafts folder, when I go back to them, I think to myself, What in the world was I thinking in that moment? I wish we could do that in our conversations with people. There was a drafts folder that we were just (laughs) able to put things in. Not that what I'm saying is untrue or that it shouldn't be said, but again, what is it going to accomplish? Right. Growing up, my, my mom had a magnet on her refrigerator that said, speak when you are angry and you'll make the best speech you'll ever live to regret. And I've applied that to my social media. And I have to remind myself, tweet when you are angry and you'll post the best speech you'll ever live to regret. Now, let me say this, iron sharpens iron. We can sharpen one another in theological discussion and debate. We can disagree with one another. We can even get a bit spirited in those type of discussions. But in the end, like a little league team playing baseball we need to be willing to give each other a handshake at the end of that discussion. There's a fine line regarding the breaking of Christian fellowship. Mm. Some people reveal that perhaps Christ isn't even present in their heart and the gospel isn't real in their mind and heart. Some people are so cynical that you would believe God has abandoned his throne. Christ never came. Christ isn't returning. Christ is still in the grave. What are we communicating to a a lost and dying world who doesn't know Christ 
when we desire to be on our soapbox rather than desire to be founded upon scripture. On social media, I will say this, there are no hills to die on. The pulpit of the local church, not social media, is the battleground. I rarely comment on other posts, though they may be an error. I don't see my job as one of trying to police everyone's theology. If I can police my own, I'm doing a good job. I don't need the full-time job of policing everybody else's theology. Our battleground is the local church. Christ died for the church. He came for the church. The church is his bride. The preeminent danger that occurs is that we sin while we're trying to point out the sin in others. Either we sin because we're slandering others or we sin because pride swells our hearts and we want to flaunt our self-righteousness. Just flaunting our thoughts because we want to be right or provide hot takes that kind of fish for likes and retweets, that's not what the Christian should be about. Jesus is the example here. He presented truth and he left it there. If they lost their minds, so what? They lost their minds. If they went insane, fine, they went insane but he just presented truth and he left it there. The problem is we present truth and then beat people over the head with it until we earn a block or a mute, and then we can't even speak. And so there's some strategies there that we need to think through. How are you engaging? Is it always cynical? How are you exuding Christ to others? How are you following the example of Christ in your presentation of the truth? Really well said. Very well said. And we've talked some already about the philosophy of how you approach social media. Is there any more to it than just focus on truth, focus on edifying? Maybe just some practical things yeah. I'll give for some philosophy for what I post. It's simply things that I'm reading, that I'm studying, that I'm thinking about. I rarely, if ever, if I think I may have scheduled three tweets in my whole life, I don't schedule tweets. They're all extemporaneous. I don't give tons of thought, though sometimes it takes a while to craft something that I want to say by looking up scripture verses and so on. But there are several questions that I ask. Is it true? Hmm. Is it edifying? Is it doctrinally sound? Is it exalting Christ? Is it clear? Sometimes I craft a tweet and I read it and then I read it out loud and I'm like, no, that doesn't make sense. I changed that word and I changed that word. So I'm trying to get as clear as possible. And so really within those parameters, asking those type of questions, I think I stay out of a lot of the social media mud, as it were. Now, others have different strategies that I'm thankful for, but this really has worked for me. Um, I, I don't want to get worked up about it or depressed when people say hurtful things. I want to be faithful to the medium in the same way that I strive to be faithful in the pulpit when I'm preaching. Mm -hmm. uh, and I would encourage also people to take breaks uh, from social media that, and just to realize that the vast majority of people that we're around have no concept what Twitter is. I mean, they really have no idea yeah. besides it gets bad press. I'm very practically, I'm leaving for vacation on Friday with my wife and I'm currently taking a break from Twitter for a few weeks. It's the first break, just to be honest with you, that I've taken in four years. Wow. I have not taken a break. I don't think one day of posting something. You post every, every, yeah. every day, usually twice a day, maybe three times a day if I feel like it, but I always post every single day, but it, it's necessary to step away. And mm -hmm. it, it's become for me a little too all consuming, mm -hmm. uh, especially with the current 
um, conversation that's going on. And I just need to refresh myself and recalibrate as it were, and remind myself instead of what the scripture is saying, rather than what everybody's saying to me. And so I'm taking a break for good or ill, but the past couple of days has been a delight in just not going on there. And uh, especially with the Roe v. Wade stuff, I've had some yeah. terrible things said to me, some terrible things sent to me. Uh, that's fine, whatever. We pray for those people. That doesn't bother me, but I just need a little break from the vitriol. Do you remove the app from your phone? Do you log out? or do you I've taken it off my home screen and I've kind of hidden it on my phone and I've replaced it where it normally is on my phone. I always have my apps in a very certain place. I've replaced it with a prayer app called Echo that has prayer lists on it. So it's like when I have the temptation to, to go on Twitter, I want to go and pray. And I don't mean at all for that to sound something spiritual. I'm not even looking at it as a fast. In other words, some people take fast from things. That's really not what I'm doing. I'm just taking a little break, just stepping away so that I can empty my mind, read a good David McCullough book or something next week and not worry about what everyone's opinions are. That's wise. Very wise. Now you've expanded into other media as well. You have the Walkworthy podcast and you have your newsletter, which is a fairly recent addition, which are both excellent. I'll have links to all these things, by the way, uh, listeners in the show notes. But as you've kind of alluded to, none of this is really part of your actual job, I don't think, or your jobs, I should say. <laughs> but I guess this is sort of the productivity side of the conversation is how do you manage all of that? Like you said, you don't, you're not scheduling the tweets. Do you set aside time or is it just as it occurs to you with the newsletter, with the podcast? How do you find the time to do all those and write and do your other responsibility? What's the productivity advice you would have? Well, I don't know that I do it very well. We've talked about this, haven't we? What what organizational tools are out there for managing mm -hmm. such things. Uh, I've texted you before, you know, do you have a recommendation for an app or something that's yeah. going to fix my life? But this is why I so appreciate your ministry, which has really helped me a great deal. I do the best to put myself on a regular schedule. For example, I schedule my podcasts for every Tuesday and Thursday to air. I post two weeks together, so I record four sessions at a time. I know I don't have time for hour-long podcasts, so my podcasts are more devotional in nature and normally don't exceed about seven minutes. In mm -hmm. other words, I've put certain habits in place. I've got into a habit, and now it seems to come second nature to me. I have those days penciled in on my calendar for recording, and just like an appointment, I keep that without question. My newsletter is fairly new. It was this thing I saw on Twitter to connect and have a newsletter, but I've tried to send that out every two to three weeks. I think the key regarding productivity is to get in a consistent rhythm. If we put it in as part of our routines, our daily schedule, our weekly schedule, we just come to it. And it's like going to get my hair cut or going to the dentist or a doctor's appointment. It's on the schedule. I do it. Now, do I need administrative help with some of all of that? Yes, I do, because I have other writing projects and teaching and full-time responsibilities here at Southern Seminary, which are all great. Sometimes I just have to find little pockets of time and I'm like, oh my goodness, you know, I forgot that. But I do best in very consistent rhythms of scheduling and very disciplined scheduling, which has really helped me. That's really helpful. And is all this material basically an overflow of what you're writing or teaching on in other areas of life? Or is there a lot of stuff that you're, are you studying? I guess is my question. 
specifically to make a podcast episode or write something for the newsletter? Yeah, a lot of the podcasts are coming out of messages that I've preached, Mm -hmm. sermons that I've preached, little snippets of things that I want to give a new life to or get it out to a larger audience. So I see nothing wrong with recycling material. Um, Some people think that one has to create new things all the time. I don't, I've never since that I've had to somehow create something new for a podcast or whatever. Now, sometimes things will occur to me that I create new. Sometimes I will have put a tweet out there with listing seven things and I want to unpack that on a podcast. And so I write a whole podcast around that. So things are playing in on one another. That's like my newsletter. I attach some book recommendations, some recent podcasts, some various other things, but the articles that I'm posting have maybe had a life somewhere else and I'm wanting it to go out to a a new audience or a bigger audience. So I would encourage people to use the material you have, to recycle the material you have. God doesn't just bless a sermon and then stop blessing it when you say amen. No, there's a life to that. And Mm -hmm. we need to use that material to the best way that glorifies and honors him. Oh, well said. Yeah. Having worked with John MacArthur's ministry, a lot of that had to do with using long form sermon content and finding new life for that online in other mm-hmm. areas, chopping things up, expanding yes. on things. Um, I'm a big believer in that, especially we have a lot of pastors who listen to this show. That's something I think is a really neat opportunity, not necessary, but a neat opportunity. If you're able to do it or someone in your church would like to step up and do it, repurposing sermon content, finding new life to it. All that work goes into studying, preparing a message from God's word. And there is so much opportunity for it to go even further and reach Mm -hmm. an even broader audience. And it'd be wonderful if I think more preachers and teachers of God's word, especially the sound ones would take it upon themselves to find a way to expand the reach Mm -hmm. of what they're doing in the pulpit each Sunday. Well, as an example, the podcasts have, a lot of those have come out of sermons that I've preached. And so those were sermons at one point, then they were chopped up to be used as podcasts. And I was recently contacted by 10 of those, which is a Christian publishing arm in the UK, as well as the US, Mm -hmm. a really growing publishing arm. And they've invited me to write a devotional, uh, a 150 day devotional book that's kind of based on the podcast. And so they started as sermons, they were chopped up for podcasts. Now they're going to have a new life in a book that will be coming out in a year or so of devotional works. And so God uses that material. And we go back to it and we're edified again. We can recraft things. We say things a little differently, whatever the case may be, we clean it up, but God uses that material. So use that if you're a pastor or a Bible teacher and you're listening to this, use that material, chop it up for your people, use it in emails, use it in newsletters, let people read it, saturate themselves in it. That's the bottomless nature of God's word. You're never going to reach the bottom. So just keep using it. Well said. Now, Dustin, what advice would you give to a believer? Someone's listening to this episode and they're thinking, man, I really, I would like to be more intentional in my social media. I want to use it to edify Christ church or for evangelism, or just to be, just to be a witness for Christ in the world. How can I do it well for God's glory? What advice would you give someone if they came to you and asked that, how can I do something like what you're doing on social media? 
Well, I've kind of thought about this because others have asked me this question. And so I've narrowed it down to three things, if you will, that I would encourage from people. Number one, and I'm all about lists. People know that I'm, I like lists on Twitter. So You're I'm the bullet you point guy. Yeah. yeah, here's a bullet point. Here, here's the list. Number one, social media engagement requires what I would call one anothering. That is, there are 59 one another statements in the New Testament that speak directly to what we are to do and how we are to act toward another person. Be at peace with one another, love one another, serve one another, forgive each other, etc. The anthem of self-righteous tweeting, posting, quote tweeting, and the like is me, myself, and I. That's the anthem of self-righteous tweeting. We desire our opinions to be heard, our views considered, our thoughts liked. But as believers, we're called to complete denial of self, to maintain love, fellowship, and peace. And so when obeying these injunctions to one another, believers ultimately obey the second command, which is to love one's neighbor as oneself, which puts the gospel of Christ on display as the transformative power that we proclaim to profess. I mean, I don't want to ruin my witness on something so menial as social media. And so I have to keep in mind to one another. Number two, social media engagement requires sanctified truthfulness. That is, a social media account that glorifies God consists of sanctified truthfulness that bases every post, every video, every interaction, every retweet, and every word upon the word of God and an abiding desire for holiness, growth in holiness, depth of holiness and spirituality. An effective Christian witness only exists when we have a unified voice declaring your word is truth. Now, I can put my opinion out there, so what? Nobody cares. But if I put God's word out there, then what is undergirding that is an authority that the Holy Spirit said he would bless Hmm. and that he would use as a driving force within hearts and within minds. And so sanctified truthfulness is what you're posting truth or is it just your mere opinion? Number three, social media requires gospel fidelity. That is, a social media account of true believers must be filled with justifying, forgiving, saving, sanctifying, growing, and maturing language. Watching world must see that we haven't moved on from the gospel, but that we are dependent upon the gospel every single day, and that we have been sold out completely to the gospel message, because that's our purpose, after all, to bring men and women to a knowledge of the Lord Jesus Christ. And that's what our social media accounts should be about, because that's your biggest platform. You know, I will never stand in front of, I don't know how many followers, 75,000 or something followers. I will never stand in front of 75,000 people and preach. But I have the unique opportunity to be sold out to the gospel and to share the gospel message to 75,000 people, to all my followers every single day. Am I doing that? Am I faithful to do that? Or am I squandering the opportunity that God has given? 
Now, in no way are these kind of three engagements presented as an exhaustive list. They only scratch the surface of what's required to maintain a social media account that loves others, that shares the gospel, that matures the faith, and ultimately that glorifies God. And so kind of an encouragement, the next time you push post or send, ask yourself this question, am I fostering maturity, doctrinal stability, gospel fidelity, discernible living, loving vocabulary, Christ-like growth, church-wide equipping, and spiritual building? Ask yourself that question. And if the answer is no, it would be more profitable for you to completely delete your account than to go viral in the court of human opinion. That is not what we need to be about. We are believers and we need to act like it. Amen. Well said, Dustin. I really appreciate you taking the time today to come on here and talk about these things with us. It is important. It's common for us to say things like social media isn't real life, but it is part of life. We're all, we're all on there and it is part of the stewardship God has given us. It is part of our Christian lives in these modern ages. And so using it well, it's an opportunity to glorify God. So I appreciate the example you've set in this. If you guys are listening to this show, you can follow Dustin at Dustin Benj on Twitter. I'll have links to his other resources, his podcast and newsletter. I'll give you the last word. If you have anything, Dustin, is there anything else you would want to share or leave people with as an encouragement? Well, just to say thank you, Reagan, for the great time that we've had. I enjoy talking about these things. I enjoy discussing these things. These are important times when we have a voice. How are you using that voice is my preeminent question. I think that's the question of scripture. How are we engaging? How are we using our voice to glorify God and edify his body and love the bride of Christ? And so we have to be so conscious of that, don't we? And so I'm quite passionate about it. I fail often at it, but I'm just plodding along like everybody else. Again, I had no intention, no, no inkling that God would grow this thing, but he has, and I desire preeminently to be a good steward of it. Amen. Well, appreciate you, brother. Thanks again for taking the time. No, thank you so much. Yeah, it's been fun. For more productivity from a Christian worldview, check out my weekly newsletter, Reagan's Roundup. Every Thursday, I share an insight along with the five best links I found that week that I think will help you in your journey to becoming a more productive Christian. It's totally free. Just go to newsletter.redeemingproductivity.com to sign up for Reagan's Roundup. That's newsletter.redeemingproductivity.com. 